the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Hey, Southern California Live family. Me and my family are on vacation this week, but have no fear. Pastor Dudley Rutherford is sitting in my chair this week. You are going to love this program today. Please welcome Pastor Dudley Rutherford. Woo, that's so exciting to be here today on KKLA and K-Praise all over San Diego and Los Angeles. And uh, I want to thank Scotty for inviting me to come and sit at his desk. I just left him a, a message, a video message, because I just there's something about when you're working in your area of giftedness and then underneath the umbrella of the call of God. And I just believe that Scotty is gifted uh, at this job and... Obviously, this is where God wants him to be. So we're thankful that he gets a little time off. Uh, my name is Dudley Rutherford. I'm the senior pastor of Shepherd Church out here in Porter Ranch, California. Been there for about 35 years. Yes, I'm that old. But uh, I'm excited to be here Monday through Friday this whole week from 3 to 5. And thank you for joining us today. And I want to just encourage you to stay with us. Uh, we we were talking about prayer yesterday uh, during that three o'clock hour, and we had a host of people call into the show and shared moments where God had answered their prayers, and really some miraculous stories where God intervened in a in a way that 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 you can only explain that God is sovereign, that He's He is over all, He sees all, that He knows all, and He's a good good Father. He's He's a someone who not only created us, but he longs to have a relationship with us, and he wants us to communicate with him, which is what prayer is. Prayer is kind of a communication between us and God. It's not just all asking God for things, but it's listening as well. And one of the reasons I want to talk, continue that conversation today about prayer is because I look around at what's going on in our world I, I, I get almost discouraged, and I know that as a believer that I need to be uh, positive. I know I need to encourage others. I'm to lead by my example and many other things like that. But sometimes I just turn on the news for five minutes, and you just it, it just it just beats you up and spits you out, and you just feel you just you can just feel your energy just being drained, and it almost feels like a hopeless situation. And we'll talk more about that uh, in the second hour today, but. This first hour, we have in studio a, a friend of mine, someone I've known for a long time, uh, Pastor Rusty George from Real Life Church up in Valencia. And Rusty, thank you for joining us today on SoCal Live. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. Tell, tell everybody how we know each other. Uh, just, you know, I, I just said we know each other. How do we know each other? Wow. We grew up in the same home church in Wichita, Kansas. You were a star basketball player, and I was in diapers. You so. were you were a little runt kid running around the church. <laughs> That's, I, I remember that. Yeah. I remember playing uh, high school basketball in college, and you just seen this little kid run around the church. <laughs> 
And so, Rusty, you you grew up in Wichita, Kansas. You went to school at Ozark Christian College. How did you get out here to Southern California? Well, that has a lot to do with you. Uh, you planted, through Kyle Eidelman, a church up in Valencia, because you notice all these people driving down from Valencia to be part of Shepherd couldn't make the drive during the week and all that time. So let's plant a church up there. And I'm so grateful for you doing that. Kyle did an amazing job getting the church started. And then Kyle felt called by God to go to a different church. And on his way out the door, he dropped my name. They called me. I said, uh, well, I'll pray about it, but there's no way I'll go to California. And then you called. And I'll never forget this. I'll never forget where I was standing. I just got through watching the <laughs> North Carolina-Kentucky basketball game, and you called. And I said, Dudley, we're from the same place. And I know you love California. You live there now, but come on. I just had a, We just had a baby, and I don't want to raise my daughter on the streets of L.A. Is that what this looks like? <laughs> and you said, Rusty, you're never going to change the world till you change America. You're never going to change America till you change California. So go west, young man. And that was it. Amen. Amen. That was it. I've been clinging to those words ever since. So tell us just quickly about your church. You can find your church, reallifechurch.org. You have several campuses. We do. We do. Uh, We uh, have campuses in Simi Valley, Valencia, Lancaster, and a strong online presence as well. Uh, our church is about 22 years old. I've been there 19 years, almost 20. Wow. Uh, gone from a movie theater to a high school to a building and now to multi-site, and it's just been and, and incredible like, ride. Well, a few years ago, your church was the fastest-growing church in America. It was a few years ago, right. Soon after we moved in the building, things just took off, and we tripled in size, and we've just seen incredible stuff that God's done. Well, thank you for coming on. The reason I asked you to come on, we've been talking about prayer the last couple of days, and you wrote a book on prayer called After Amen. And uh, Rusty, I've read a lot of books on prayer. This is one of the best books I have ever read on prayer. Thank you. And yeah, I've been thinking a lot about it because of the subject we've mm-hmm. been the last couple of days. And as I've read through it, it's like, oh, man, this is some good stuff. So I wanted you to come in and talk about your book. Again, it's called After Amen, written by Rusty George. And you can get a hold of Rusty at PastorRustyGeorge.com. He's got podcasts and books and resources and a blog there. But tell us a little bit about this book and why you wrote. Where, where did this idea come from? What What motivated you to write such a book? Yeah, I think it came from standing out in the lobby after services and people would come up to me, much like they do come up to you, and they they ask you to pray for them. And I, I remember listening to these prayer requests, and I said, absolutely, I'll pray for you. But you know you can pray too, because sometimes people don't think they can because they're not a pastor or a priest or whatever. And the look on their face was, I have, and it didn't work. And there was something in their mindset that thought, I must be doing it wrong. Uh, is what do I do now after I've hung up the phone? Is there anything I can do after I say amen that actually affects the prayer? And I thought, that's a really interesting question. So I started looking around. I went to Amazon like we all do. Mm-hmm. And there's a thousand books out there about how to pray, a thousand books on what to do before you pray. Maybe 10,000. Maybe 10,000. But very little out there about what to do after you pray. And I thought, well, let's just go to the source. Let's see what Jesus did after people asked him for things. And it was really interesting. Very rarely did Jesus just say yes. Oftentimes he gave people things to do that prepared them for the miracle. And so I started researching that, came up with about seven things that seemed to be consistent in the Gospels and put it into this book. And I found it revolutionary for myself. So the idea of the book is you say a prayer, whatever's on your heart, 
And mm-hmm. uh, if you'd like to call us at 888-528-2557 and let us know what you're praying about, we'll, we'll pray with you. Or is there some prayer that you're waiting for God to answer, you feel like God has not answered. But the idea of the book is that you say a prayer, and at the end of the prayer, you say, in the name of Jesus, because that's the name above every other name, then you say amen. Mm-hmm. And this book is called After Amen, What to Do When You're Waiting, because God doesn't always instantaneously answer our prayer. First of all, how does God – tell us the different ways that God can answer that prayer or chooses not to answer that prayer. Right. I think for a lot of us, it feels a lot like when you send a text message and then you see that they're responding and the little dots come up and then it goes away. Ooh. <laughs> and you think, what is that? Did I just get ghosted by God? You know, what, what's going on here? So we feel that silence. We don't know what to do next. And we assume that God didn't hear because we think the only way God answers is to say yes. But as Luis Palau said, there are five ways that God answers us. One is, yes, I thought you'd never ask. Another is, yes, and here's more. Those are our favorite kind. Ooh, yes, and here's more. Uh, and then another one is, yes, but not the way that you think. And then there's, not at this time. And then finally, no, because I love you too much. So you think about those. God answers us in many different ways. Okay, so I, I want you to go over there. He says, he says yes, I've been waiting on you. That's I've been, right. I've been waiting. Thought you'd never ask. I do think I do believe that there are things that God wants to give us, and He's waiting for us to ask. Don't he you think said, we haven't asked yet? He's yeah. Just, Don't you think when we get to heaven that God's going to say, "Here's all the stuff that we could have done if you just would have asked." If you just would have asked, right? Uh, and then the second one is yes, but here's even more than what you asked. Right. Oh right. my, that's what I want right there. Absolutely. Yeah, that's those moments that you and I prayed for ten people to show up and a hundred do. Or I'm hoping for five baptisms and there's 500 or whatever it is, right? Mm. It's just, it's way beyond that we could have ever expected. A little bit like, uh, let's feed the 5,000 and there's leftovers. You Ooh. know, that kind of idea. I like those kind of leftovers. Absolutely. But God, can, and so I, I've always said he says yes, no, or maybe. Mm-hmm. And maybe can mean yes, but later. Right, right. And I think that's the not yet. So our difficulty, we don't have a problem with the yes and yes plus more. Our problem is when he says later or when he says no. Right. Those are the two things that, that bug us as believers, right? right? And so we what, mean, what, what is there in us that wants wants a yes every time? Oh, my. Well, that's our instant gratification culture. Okay. That's the microwave something for 10 seconds and you're tapping your fingers. So, so but God often, often, more often than not, makes us wait a little bit. I think so. It sure seems to be. And you even see this with Jesus and people that ask for things. Hey, go show yourself to the priest, and the miracle happens along the way. Mm. Go wash your eyes in in the pool, and the miracle happens afterwards. Uh, Sometimes it's it's really allowing our character and our faith to catch up with the miracle. As uh, author and pastor Mark Batterson says, sometimes God's waiting to do the super until we do the natural. And you have you have a, several chapters. You've got a chapter in here called "Yield to the How." What, what does that mean? Yield to the How. Let, let, let me go back. You have another one called "Align Align with the Why," and then "Yield to the Why to the How." Chapter four is "Align with the Why." What does that mean? "Align with the Why." Great question. And the the chapter topics were uh, designed to make you read them uh, rather than make it easy. Because haven't you read books in the bookstore and you just read the chapter topics and think, I got this. I've read the book. Exactly. So the first thing is, let's align with what God's about. 
Okay, you know, you think about the Lord's Prayer, thy will be done. Let's identify ourselves with what God's up to in the world. So maybe my prayer for the Lakers to win a championship, though I think is valid, uh, isn't necessarily what God has in store for the world. So aligning with God's greater purpose in the world's where we start. Let's start with that one. And then the whole uh, align with the why is a little bit of, uh, you know, obviously his will be done, but yielding to the how is a little bit of that, that third way God answers, which is yes, but not the way you expect it. In other words, uh, I may give you a child, but maybe it's going to be through adoption. Uh, I, I may give you an opportunity to speak as if you want to teach, but it's going to be to middle school, middle school age boys. You know, it's not necessarily the platform you thought you were going to have. Uh, God sometimes says yes to us in ways that we didn't expect, and so it, it comes up in, in different ways he answers the prayer. So going back to the align with the why, you're asking we should be praying along the lines of what? Thy will be done. Thine will be done. Right. It, it, some people think that's an excuse to say, Lord, this is what I want, but more than that, I want your will to be done. You don't see that as an excuse. I don't. I think so much of prayer is us aligning our mindset with his. Mm. You know, the longer you pray, and you see this in the Psalms, David prays, he's mad. By the end of it, he's, you know what, God, you got this. It's almost like the, the end of every rant turns into, I, I'm trusting in God. And I find the longer I pray, the more I begin to yield to he's in charge he knows best that seems to happen more uh, this is dudley rutherford on socal live uh scott furrow usually sitting here at this desk i'm filling in for him he's on vacation we'd love to have you call and ask us any question you want about prayer or if you have a prayer request or you want to express a answer to prayer call us at 888-528-2557 rusty wrote a book called after amen i want to tell you one thing about this book you dedicated it to your mom, for my mom, Mary George, my first prayer warrior. Hmm. Thanks for all the years you've sat in the waiting room on my behalf. What was what was your sentiment behind that? Well, you know, our moms are the most spiritual people in the family. Uh, she prayed for me long before I understood prayer. I talk a lot about the waiting room, you know, waiting on God, and just praying for me throughout growing up, praying for the right spouse for me, praying for my kids, praying for my ministry, and all through life and what's what's how important is for a parent to model prayer to their to their children well i think your kids see it a lot more than you think mm. i noticed it in my mom a lot more than she probably noticed uh but as i got older i began to realize how valuable it was and i think when we pray for our kids whether we think they're listening or not or care or not they're noticing yeah, I, 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 I hate to think what the world would be like without the prayers of moms for, for all their kids, mm -hmm. uh, e even when they're fully grown. Mom, mom never stops praying for you. Mm -hmm. uh, but, Rusty, this book, uh, After Amen, uh, What to Do When You're Waiting on God, when God says no to us, what, what, is, our, what is our initial inclination as a, someone who's trying to reach out to God? Because a lot of times we start to doubt God because he didn't answer the prayer the way that I thought he should answer. I've seen that almost say, well, then God doesn't exist. Right. We either think God is not good or God is not great. Mm. One of the two. And then once we get over that, we think that we're the problem. Maybe I did it wrong. So this was the question I often got asked in the lobby is I must be doing it wrong. Can you pray for me? 
And the assumption is that when you pray, God only says yes to the most passionate and the perfect. Now, you think about that. Think about Jesus in the garden. Jesus is crying out to his Father, saying, if there's any other way to save the world, let's do that. And here he is. No one's more passionate than him. He's sweating drops of blood, and no one's more perfect than him. And yet his Father still says no. So it's not so much about our perfection, and it's not about even our passion, as it is about God's greater good for your life and the world. Mm. Jesus had a, a passion for all people to be in relationship. He, mm. he, he wants all of us talking to him. Mm. Uh, what are some of the barriers that keep us from from praying? Because I, I think one of them is that we're just too busy. Mm-hmm. It, it's either too busy or we think that it doesn't work. It's mm-hmm. not going to get us. We're wasting our time. Mm-hmm. you have any thoughts on that? I do. I think for many of us, prayer is just that, you know, fire extinguisher behind the glass you just break it when you need it you know Mm. it's not a relationship it's when we understand that it is an ongoing relationship yeah i do value my time in the morning with god but it's also all throughout the day it's constant sentence prayers here and there breath prayers here and there it's just the constantly turning towards god and what begins to happen in that is you begin to think through his his eyes the entire time you begin to see people the way that jesus sees people that's a relationship that is, I mean, you think about a great marriage. They they talk in the morning. They text all day. They talk at night. It's just constant communication, and that's what Christ would love to have with each of us. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I, I woke up. My mom lives up in, Fre- up in Fresno, and uh, she's 91, and uh, she's got five kids. Uh, I can't be responsible for what the other four kids do, but I do know that and I, I I always felt this with my dad when he was still living. He he passed away in March of 2020. But I I just any time I called, it's like I I don't call him enough. I don't call my mom enough. I do when I it, it, like it gets into my head like I need to talk to my mom. But I as a parent, I I, I gotta believe my my parents are up there thinking. I I want to talk to my kids. I don't want to bug them. I want them to actually call me. Hmm. And I think that God waits he waits on us to go to him. He he is he's waiting on us. He wants to talk to us. It's 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 difficult for people to somehow times grasp that the almighty creator God of the entire universe who spoke everything to existence and created us but that he wants he wants us to come to him. He wants us to come pray and he's just waiting. He's just waiting on us. Hmm. And uh, so often, you know, we just don't take the time to do it. Exactly. I think, you know, for those of us that have kids, we recognize that how much we love when our kids want to talk to us, especially the older they get, the less likely they are to do it. And we never say to them, um, call back when you get your act together. Mm. We never say, uh, I need you to do A, B, and C before we actually have a conversation. We love the chance to talk to them. And many of us assume that God's waiting for us to get our act together, to be perfect, to string six weeks together of church attendance before we can ask him for anything or talk to him. He's just waiting to talk. Yes. We want to hear from you at 888-528-2557. Let me give you that number one more time, 888-528-2557. Is there a moment in your life where you thought that God wasn't listening, that he didn't care? That That's... That's the mistake is where when God doesn't answer the way we think, where we 
start to think that he doesn't care about us. Because no matter how he answers that prayer, we can be assured that God does care for us. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Rusty, uh, we're going to take a break here in just a little bit. But uh, in in the and when we come back, I want you. To, I want to talk about this in in your book called After Amen. The, the, there's a lot in the book about, and really the gist of it is, you know, we've talked a lot about prayer. But what happens after you pray? Hmm. What do you do when you're just kind of sitting around or waiting? And uh, I also want to talk about how exactly what we should do when he says no Mm. and um can you tell people where they can get a hold of this book absolutely yeah obviously you can get it on amazon wherever books are sold if you go to pastorrustygeorge.com you can get it there i think it's a little cheaper than it is on amazon uh, and all kinds of resources there to help you out as well if you're a pastor of a church we have resources for you where you can do small groups i even have videos where i'll lead your small groups for you and uh, video teaching and manuscripts and all the things that you need. Super. The Bible says in Jeremiah 29, verse 12, Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. I will listen to you. He hears your prayer. He sees every tear. He's aware of every beat of your heart. And he's a good, good father. And if he says no, there's reasons why he said no. We're going to come back and talk about that after this break. But he either says yes, he says yes with more, he might say later, he might say no. But uh, you, as a believer, you need to be prepared for whatever, whatever that answer will be. We're going to come back and talk about that. Thank you for listening to Wednesday's edition of SoCal Live. We will be right back. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Text Scott right now in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Hey, it's Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm filling in for Scott Furrow here at SoCal Live. Thank you so much for joining us. We're spending a little bit of time talking to Rusty George, who's a senior pastor up at Real Life Church in Valencia. You can find him at reallifechurch.org or pastorrustygeorge.com. He's written several books, but his latest book is called After Amen. What happens after you say amen? We're going to get back to that, but I want to go to Rachel, who's uh, calling all the way from Orange County. She has a prayer request. We want to we want to take some time for prayer. If you have a prayer request, feel free to call us at 888 Rachel, welcome to SoCal Live. Are you there, girl? I am. Can you? Yes, I can hear you. You're on. You're on live. Okay, thank you. Um, I did have a prayer request, and it's my it's it's my daily prayer. I have two sons who were baptized unto Christ some time ago, but. Um, I, you know, I think they just kind of fell by the wayside, and um, actually, as a as a parent, I wasn't brought up in the church, but I did come to know Christ later on my own, but I was kind of a do-as-I-say-not-as-I-do, so I wasn't really a, the best influence. However, in the past few years, my son actually gave me the best compliment ever and told me he noticed a change in me, and that just you know, uh, made me so happy in my heart, but I pray every night for my sons to come return, return back. I, I honestly, 
um, when they were saved in the church and they accepted Jesus, I'm not quite sure if they even understood what was going on. Sure. They were, they were both um, accepted and, and baptized, but now they both have kind of um, agnostic views. How old were they? How how old were they when they made that decision, and how old are they now? They were. One of them was around sixteen, and the other one was around uh, fourteen. And now they are thirty-five and twenty-three. Wow! And do they live in the greater Los Angeles area? They do. They live very close to me. And uh, do you go to church every week? I do, and I invite them. Uh, one son has gone a couple times with us, and I'm, we're still trying to get the other one to come back. Right? Do they uh, do they I, have uh, families of their own? No. No, no families of their own. No. And when you invite them to come, do they will they come when you invite them, or they just they say no, mom, I don't want to go. Pretty much. Um, we've, you know, for Christmas, that was our gift. We said, you know, it, it would be the best gift if you would just come to church with us since it fell on a Sunday. Uh, one did and one didn't show up. Um, and the one that did, you know, we asked him, you know, how, how was it? And, and he says, well, you know, I'm glad it works for you guys, but um, it, it's kind of not my thing. All right, you, I want you to use that for Easter and Mother's Day as well. Just say, hey, for Mother's Day and Easter, I want all, everybody in church. Okay, you you don't give up inviting them to come with you, okay? I won't. And then uh, then every day, you, you need to continue to live your life in a way that, you know, setting an, an example for them. But you, you, have, you have a couple of sons there that, in your mind, they're like prodigal sons. You you believe they made a decision at one time now whether they did or not I I don't know you know God knows and obviously if they made a legit uh, a legit decision and sincere decision you know I I I believe what the Bible says and it sounds like you missed out a little bit on raising children in the instruction of the Lord but you but you've you're you're trying to recover uh, from that and you're trying to do it now so you know God. God hears your prayer, and and uh, Rusty, what would you say to her again? Here's a here's a mother praying for these two boys. She's not seen much fruit from her prayers. What would you say to her to encourage her to just keep praying and don't don't give up believing that God can can reach these two boys? I I love the fact that you mentioned that you've decided to make that more of a priority in your life. I think the idea of making that your Christmas gift was genius. I would definitely encourage you to invite them to Easter and Mother's Day. But I'd also continue to not just say, hey, I'm praying for you, but a couple times a month say, is there anything specific I can pray for you about? Now that makes them think about it. And and most people always have something in mind they could say. And then the second thing is you might say to them, hey, this Easter I'd love it if we all went to church together. Um, Is there a church you'd rather go to? Because maybe the church you go to doesn't necessarily connect with them. You know, you might specify a Christian church uh, somewhere in, you know, a drivable distance, and they could do a little homework on their own and might find something that connects with them better because your goal is that they follow Jesus through a local church, even if it's not your local church. Uh, Now they feel like they've got some 
some control over the matter because that's usually why kids reject their parents ideas because they feel like no i don't want to be told what to do but now if they have a part in it they might be even a little bit more likely to do it okay that's that's good advice and rachel uh the, the most important thing is that you're consistent in your walk and you're consistent in your prayers and you just keep praying and you just god god has a thousand ways to get those boys uh to come home now, oftentimes, if they're prodigals, they've got to get to a point, you know, where they hit rock bottom and then they come back. But those two boys, out of all the people on the face of this planet, they know that you love them probably more than anybody else. I mean, they 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 have friends, they have acquaintances, they might have girlfriends, whatever. But deep deep down, they know that their mother loves them. And you you keep speaking to them in love, and whatever it is that God lays on your heart to help them, that's your job. It, it, you don't stop parenting just because they're thirty five years old. You're still their right. mother. They still should honor you and all they do. And uh, let's just say a quick prayer uh, for Rachel right now, Father. We want to pray with Rachel. We pray for these two boys. Uh, there was a time where they made a decision, uh, as far as she knows. God, you know whether that was real or not. And if it was real, God, we pray, as you say in Philippians, that you will continue to work things out in our life, that you never give up on us, that you will continue this process. And it is a, it is a journey. Christianity is a journey. And uh, it's easy for young people to get off track, especially in this culture. So, Father, just like you brought that prodigal son back, uh, in the Gospel of Luke, we pray that you would bring these two boys back. And, and Lord, there's nothing more important to a mama than to make sure her children are following you. So we pray right now through the Holy Spirit and in the name of Jesus that, God, you would send your Holy Spirit to those two boys in their hearts. May you speak to them in a small, quiet voice or in a loud voice, but that you would indeed speak to them and that they would respond uh, to your call. Thank you for life. Thank you for this family. We pray for Rachel. We pray for those two boys. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Rachel, Amen. Rachel, thank, thank you. you. Thank you for calling us today. And uh, call us back and let us know how these two boys uh, are doing. Rusty, uh, tell me again the, the premise of your book, After Amen. What happens after we say amen? What 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 does after have anything to do with the prayer itself? Well, when you look at the life of Jesus, he continues to be asked these questions by people: Will you heal me? Will you fix this? Will you provide this? And he often gives them things to do. One of my favorite is the uh, the the turning of water into wine at the wedding, and these guys are instructed to go fill six water jars. And the miracle doesn't happen until the work is done. And so I think for a lot of us, you know, we might be on the third trip to the river, maybe the fourth trip. And it's just a little bit of continuing to do it. We've prayed the prayer. We've made the ask, much like Mary did of Jesus in that situation. But for some of us, it's just the waiting. Uh, and, and even the story of Jesus comes about at when all things were fulfilled at the right time. You know, roads have been paved and the right government was in place and the right people were around. And now this finally comes about. So for a lot of us, it really is the waiting game. So what does it mean? It means we continue to pray. We continue to trust. We continue to uh, provide, you know, the kind of life of integrity and character that prepares us for that miracle when it does come about. You know, I preached uh, last weekend on Joshua chapter three, 
where they, uh, the Israelites were had to cross the River Jordan to get into the Promised Land. And they'd been in, in the wilderness for 40 years. Before that, they were slaves for 430 years. So it's about a 500-year window. They're not in the Promised Land. It's, it's time. Joshua 3, it's time. We've got to get across this river. We're going to receive all the blessings of God. And in that text, it, it, they said to take the Ark of the Covenant and and step into the River Jordan that was at flood stage. Hmm. And I don't know why, but I had always thought going all the way back 40 years earlier when they crossed the Red Sea over dry ground, the Red Sea crossing, Moses just raised his hands like the movie in the, in the Ten Commandments, Moses just raises his hands, and the water just split right there. Mm-hmm. And there were like two walls of water, and the Israelites walked across in dry, uh, on dry ground. That's the Red Sea cross. But 40 years later, here at the River Jordan, I don't know why, but I always assumed it was the same. I mm-hmm. thought they – I thought – I'm telling you what I thought, because what I thought was wrong. I, they stepped into that water. I just thought the walls – the, the the waters parted just like it did at the Red Sea, but that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that when they took the Ark the Covenant in there, he said, walk in there, water's at flood stage, that the water dammed up in a city called Adam, which was a dam. You get the, pl- you get the play on that? I a did. dam, Adam. Uh, 18 to 20 miles north is where the water dammed up. It didn't It didn't part there. And what that means is they stepped into that they stepped into the river it continued to be at flood stage it was still raging water now it had, it dammed up 20 miles upstream and they had to wait they had to wait for the water to flow past hmm. 20 miles worth of river flowed by before they ever saw the miracle hmm. and the idea is that a lot of times you're stepping out in faith God is performing a miracle, but it's not right there in front of you. It's upstream. Mm-hmm. You're going to see it 20 miles from now of river flow. You'll experience God's blessing. And the, the idea of the story is can you step in to that river in faith in the midst? It's kind of like it's almost like walking on the water, but they were in the middle of the water, in the middle of the flood stage, Jordan River, still waiting on their miracle. They could have stepped in and stepped out. And uh, they they would have never experienced the miracle. God may have rechanged, but I think that's a lot like prayer. You pray, mm-hmm. believing and trusting that God is performing a miracle upstream. This is Dudley Rutherford. Uh, we're taking phone calls at triple eight five two eight two five five seven. We're going to talk to Joe, who's waiting online. Uh, you're listening to Wednesday's edition of SoCal Live. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Thank you for joining us today on Wednesday's edition of SoCal Live all over San Diego and Southern California. I'm in studio uh, filling in for Scott Furrow, who's out on vacation. And uh, I'm so thankful that uh, he gave me the opportunity to be here. But he'll be back in just a few days and hope you'll stay with us here. We're talking to Rusty George of Real Life Church up in Valencia, reallifechurch.org. A few years ago, it was the fastest-growing church in America. You can get a hold of him at pastorrustygeorge.com. He wrote a book called After Amen, and we're looking at what happens after you pray. 
Russ, do you believe that actually things that we do, we say we say the prayer, we say amen, we're, we're finished praying, there's actually things that we do, not just that God does, that we do after we say amen, that affects how God answers the prayer? I do believe that. I think you see that throughout Scripture. I think that Jesus talks about different things we're supposed to do, and you see this when it talks about if you're if you have an unforgiving spirit, that disrupts your connection with God. If you've not confessed sin, that disrupts your connection with God. If you've even got crisis in your marriage that you're not dealing with, it affects our connection with God. So sometimes it's just doing the last thing he told you before he gives you something new to do. That was a word right there, and that's all in this book. I really, listen, I've read a lot of books on prayer. This is one of the best books that have ever been written on prayer. Mm -hmm. It's called After Amen. You know, you always finish your prayer saying, in Jesus' name, and then you say, amen. And then what happens next? You need to get a copy of this book. I want to go to Joe, who actually called yesterday, and uh, he called back today, or we got a hold of him today. Joe, welcome to SoCal Live. Hi, Pastor. How are you? Thank I'm gra- you for I'm, the opportunity. Oh, this you're is awesome. I'm just, I, I love this talk show, I, and I just stumbled on it yesterday, like you were saying. So here I am. And well, here well you thank are. you for joining, Joe. Thank you. Joe, what's on um, your heart today? Tell us what's going well, on. You know, I have I have a quite amazing story. Um, by the grace of God and the love of our Lord Jesus, who only can do this, is forgive a sinner like me. And years ago, 30 years ago, I accepted the Lord into my life. And uh, I've gone through a lot of trials and tribulations in my life. I was five years old. I lost two siblings, three siblings in a fire in 1968. 1918, a boy 19, a girl 18, and my other sister 15. My dad was on a fishing trip. My mom got me and my other 11-year-old sister out at the time. I was five. That's where it all started. It was right there. Mm. Throughout my life, I've come close seven times to dying. Mm. The last time was in, well, the second to last time was in 2014 on the job in Chicago where I worked for the city of Chicago. I had 35 years when I had to leave. 31 years when I got hurt on the job, actually. Hit by, I got hit by two cars. The lady was texting and driving, but that's another story. I got a million stories. But, um, you know, the Lord has just been opening up avenues, and I've been wanting to come to you. I've, come, I've been to your church quite a few times. I've always wanted to get to talk to you and tell you my story because I honestly feel the Lord has a calling for me, mm. and it's to tell my story. I mean, I've come close seven, and I'm not just telling you when I say I come close seven times to dying. When I got hit by that car in 2014, I was standing on the corner in Chicago, minding my own business, looking the other direction, and the next thing I heard was a little, like a poof sound, because my hearing's not that well, because I'm a professional musician, and I've played since I was seven years old music, so my hearing's not that well, and the next thing I know, I'm being picked up by paramedics, and Come to find out, she ran the red light. She was texting. T-boned another came both into me. I was in a coma. I had 15 surgeries in five months. I can walk to this day. You would never know I'm permanently and totally disabled. You're like a cat. You're like a cat. I had nine lives, and you've wasted eight of them. Well, seven, I think, so far. And then the last one after that, Pastor, was in 2018. I developed a blood clot in my left leg out here in L.A., he drove back to Chicago, and my doctor said, you could, that could have went right to your heart and killed you. Oh. 
Joe, and, what is, Joe, what is the one thing we can pray uh, for you today? What is the one thing? I, I really want prayer. It's not even for me so much. I want prayer for my 11-year-old grandson. He suffers from mental illnesses. He's got five mental illnesses. He's got I'm five here. mental illnesses? He's got Tourette's, ADHD, the highest level you can get. He's got ODD, which is a defiant disorder. He's got an anger issue. And there's one other one that I can't think of. And he's ele- he's 11 years old. He's 11 years old, Pastor. He's sleeping right now because he doesn't go to bed until 10 o'clock in the morning. We can't. We're trying so hard right now to get him into somewhere where they can help him. Yes. We had stayed in. We had the state of California. She's got it. My daughter's a single mother. She's got to go back to the state, uh, the, the uh, children's hospital now. We're not getting anything done here. The kid is suffering. We're oh. suffering. I know one thing. I know it's not all spiritual, but I honestly believe Satan has somewhat to do with it. Yeah. Because just like in the book of Job, where he, where he asks to sift uh, Job, uh, you know, to test Job and try Job and his family, you know, and what is what does Job's wife say to him? Curse God and die, you know. So I'm not going to blame it all on the devil like we all, we, sometimes we have a tendency to blame everything on Satan. Mm. But I'm just going to say that these these diseases that he has, these mental illnesses, I am under attack, I believe, because of what he does. He's very angry. He's very um, violent. He throws things at you. Um, he swears constantly. It's horrible. It's just a horrible Joe, life. Joe, uh, we, we got to wrap this call up, but where, where do you think all that comes from in that, in that 11-year-old boy? Where, where, where did all that come I think, from? Well, the Tourette's, they say the, they say the Tourette's he was born with. Okay. I know God, I know Jesus can heal every anything. Amen. And I have faith that he's going to do this, but... I'm going to come to your church tonight, Pastor. Maybe we can talk some other time. And uh, I'd like to bring him and my daughter in one of these times. My daughter loves the Lord. She doesn't live for the Lord, but she loves the Lord. And I've talked to my grandson about Jesus, and right now he's just, I can't talk to him. He's very angry at me for what I don't know why. Uh, uh, all right, Joe. Joe, I'm going to put you on, I'm going to put you on hold here. But, uh, Rusty, what do you think about all that? Well, that's a lot. Obviously, he's got a lot going on. He got, he, that man has a lot of pain in his heart. Oh, my goodness, yes. Pain in his own heart, pain in his family. And that's a lot to take to the Lord, but the Lord can handle it. Yeah. You know, the story of Job, he mentioned Job. You know, at the end of Job's life, God rewarded him double everything that, that was taken from him. And when you're in the middle of the storm, you don't see that, though. It's mm-hmm. kind of like the story I just told with the, mm-hmm. the Ark of the Covenant. You don't see it. You've got to stay faithful. Right. And um, and I just pray um, that God would help Joe with that pain within him. And did you notice when I asked what can we pray, it wasn't for anything for him. It was for his grandson. I did notice that. I thought that was amazing. And and, and I, that's got to please God that mm-hmm. here's a guy that's hurting, but his, his greatest need is for somebody else. Mm-hmm. So I don't think he told us that boy's name, but you want to say a word of prayer for that 11-year-old boy? I do, and I think that there's a, a lesson we can all learn from Joe. And he, not only did he direct us to somebody else to pray for, but out of all the difficulty, it did not drive him from God. It's driven him to God. Mm. And I think for a lot of us, when things don't go our way, when we feel like God hasn't answered our prayer, there's too much pain in our life, we just assume there's no God or he's not good. And yet Joe continues to say there is a God, he is good, he is great. Let's just continue to talk to him. So let's do that. Okay. Father God, we thank you that you know Joe and you know his grandson even more than we do and uh, even more than they do. 
You're closer than the air they breathe. You are involved in this. You are with them. You are sustaining them. You're giving Joe the strength to even think beyond his own pain, his own needs, uh, to the care for his grandson. You're giving Joe the ability to continue to walk towards you. God, we pray for his grandson that you would free him from this oppression. Mm. We pray that you would heal him of the diseases. We pray that you would put the right doctors and nurses involved in this case. You'd give him the right medication, if indeed that is what he's needed, and that you would put him in the right uh, environment, God, to uh, allow him to find freedom. And that most of all, through all of this, that you are glorified. So we pray for his healing, his deliverance, and we pray for your protection and all this. And we pray that you would give Joe the kind of sustained uh, peace that he needs, but also the encouragement he needs as he walks through this on behalf of his grandson. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And uh, Joe, we'll continue to pray for you and continue to pray for uh, your grandson. And uh, he, he, you've got your hands full. But God needs God. We need God to do a miracle in, in that young boy's life. Rusty, in about 20 seconds, I know that's not long, but James 5.16 says that the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. That's an example of after you've said amen and you're on your way, you want to continue to live a life for God, correct? That is exactly right. I think that has a lot to do with the wisdom of a TV show, not even a TV show, a movie that I'm sure you've seen a lot because you have grandkids, Frozen 2. Yes. Do the next right thing. And sometimes for us, when we haven't got the answer we're looking for, continue to do the next right thing. That might be to care for somebody else. It might be to pray for somebody else's burdens. It might be to do exactly what Joe is doing there. It might be to serve somebody in your neighborhood. Obviously, read your Bible, pray, go to church, put yourself in environments where you hear from God, and God always comes through. Uh, seldom early, but never late. And we continue to put ourselves in a position to do just that. All right. Thank you very much. We're talking to Pastor Rusty George. You can get a hold of him at PastorRustyGeorge.com. He's got podcasts and books and other resources and a blog. He also is the senior pastor of Real Life Church uh, up in Valencia. You can find that at reallifechurch.org. And uh, this book uh, called After Amen, on the very cover of it, uh, he's got a a recommendation here from Max Lucado, who says the journey from offered prayer to answered prayer is not always an easy one, but this book will help you navigate the path. Read it and take heart. That's from Max Lucado, best-selling author. And uh, Rusty, thank you for putting this book together, and just a great, great Resource. I want to encourage everyone to continue to pray. We want to. We want you to stay with us uh, after this break. We're going to talk about some things that are near to dear to my heart. What we see going on in our country. We're going to continue to take some calls. We want to invite you to stay tuned. Stay with us. You're listening to Wednesday's edition of SoCal Live. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.